0: Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that first created the collective unconscious of those who cried when they met Ariel for the first time in Disney World.
1: I'm Hannah Leach... And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them.
0: We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: Today we are talking about 2007's Enchanted.
0: (laughs) And then it's like, in a lab. Far away.
2: There has never been anything like Enchanted. <laughs> because no other story has ever taken you... Edward, we need help! ...to a land as strange
1: and terrifying.
2: So
0: I'm personally very excited to talk about Enchanted today because in case you couldn't tell by my outfit for video viewers, I'm wearing a pink sparkly dress. I'm standing up For the shot, Um, I was someone who was way too into Disney princesses for way too long. And so I have a lot of very uh, cringe-worthy memories (laughs) associated with this movie. And if there's one thing I really savor, it is forcing my cringe on people. So, you know, here we are. I cannot wait to get into it. I also had such a good time watching this movie again. So I have much to say. And Audrey's kind of just <laughs> along for the ride. I,
1: <laughs> I tried to look princessy, but it's coming off... Whenever I try to do that, like, I'm just missing colorful clothing. Like, I just always end up looking like, um, I don't know. I
0: look like a lawyer at, like, a <laughs> I look like a lawyer at, like, a gala event... <laughs> You look, you kind of are reminding me of like an updated version of when Ursula turns yeah, into the yeah, hot yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was gonna say Vanessa yeah, that's too. You. I was gonna say Vanessa too.
0: And then I was like, oh. all right. We were both getting that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we both knew her name was Vanessa, but I just didn't say it. But like, I knew her name was yeah, Vanessa. Yeah, I was like, you wouldn't forget that. Don't you feel like that name is like evil because it has a V in it? Yeah.
1: Wait, are. Literally, the, why is there a Vanessa in this movie and in Juno? <laughs> and they're like portrayed as like annoying Van- women. Wait, there's Wait, there's no Vanessa in this movie. Isn't Adina's name Vanessa in this movie? No, her name is Nancy. Oh, what? <laughs> why did I think it was? That's weird. I don't know. Okay,
0: anyways. Probably because we just did Juno and it's confusing. Yeah. Anyway, you know, whenever we do Disney. Like, I feel like Parent Trap is different. Like, the Disney made movies versus the Disney fantasy movies are kind of like a different experience. So I feel like this episode is going to have some Little Mermaid 2 Return to the Sea vibes (laughs) for sure. One of my favorite episodes that we've done. So uh, shall we get into the facts, Audrey? Yes. Okay. So Enchanted was released in theaters on November twenty-first, two thousand seven. You know, that good holiday release, big big theatrical release at holiday time. It was directed by Kevin Lima, who directed a goofy movie and Tarzan. He was also a writer on Oliver and Company and Aladdin and a character designer for The Little Mermaid. Not necessarily The Little Mermaid herself, but on that yeah. movie. So this man is like Disney through and through, which does make sense considering that this project is supposed to be like a clever Disney amalgamation thing, which I have a lot of thoughts about, but I'll move on for the time being. This movie was produced by two men named Barry. The first (laughs) one is Barry Josephson, and his highest rated project he's ever worked on, according to Rotten Tomatoes, is Enchanted, and his lowest rated is Dirty Grandpa, which I don't know. Audrey, do you remember that movie? Um. Uh,
1: I mean, I don't have personal experience, but
0: <laughs> so I kind me neither. Of do. But I looked up the trailer last night, and it's Robert De Niro and Zach Efron, yeah. just being gross. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Not a sleepover cinema approved film. Not at all. And then. We have Barry Sonnenfeld. And in my mind, I was like, okay, they have to be a duo. They're both named Barry. Like, how is that possible? But they're not a duo. Barry Sonnenfeld's highest rated project is big, and his lowest is Nine Lives, which I don't know what Nine Lives is, but that's his lowest rated project. So, sorry to Barry for that one. This screenplay was written by Bill Kelly, who had two to three other IMDb credits, and most of them were writing spinoff IP from Enchanted. And he's not writing the in-development slash pre-production sequel to Enchanted right now. So I found him on Twitter. He has like 300 followers. He's not written anything else. I was like, what's happening with <laughs> this man? So Bill Kelly's been vibing since Enchanted. The music, very notably, is by Alan Menken, who is the man behind at least half of the music and lyrics for the following musicals. The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Little Shop of Horrors, Newsies, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Home on the Range, LOL, and Tangled. So if you don't know who Alan Menken is... And you're listening to this show. I don't really know how you got this far. However, I'm happy to be the one to break the news to you <laughs> that Alan Menken has done all this shit. And then the lyrics are by Stephen Schwartz, who wrote music and lyrics. I'm pretty sure for Godspell, Pippin, and Wicked. So um, they were not holding back on this musical creative team. Honestly, but these were also kind of.
1: I would kind of want it to be better, knowing that these are the people who made it.
0: You know. I think the songs are pretty good, though. I think they're
1: good, but I think, like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this now.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, because I, I have things to say about it too. we We'll put a pin in, is the music good? <laughs> and then, so I, I did the thing. Remember, Audrey, how we always talk about how we want to include more below-the-line mm-hmm. people, like, that make big contributions? So I was trying to be more inclusive this time around. The choreography in this movie is by John O'Connell, um, and he had a really cool job because he got to storyboard a lot of the big production numbers. Like, I watched this behind-the-scenes clip where he like he's like, I went to Central Park and I looked <laughs> at all the locations, and I just felt in my soul, like, what the choreography would be, and then I storyboarded all of it and, like, showed the director. So he's cool. Um, but he's also choreographed for Moulin Rouge, The Great Gatsby, Shall We Dance, Scooby-Doo, and Romeo and Juliet. But to which I say, he's clearly in with Baz Luhrmann. And what a great gig to have if you're a choreographer. So flowers for John O'Connell. And then last but not least, we have Mona May, who was the costume designer. And uh, she has done some really, really, really good movies. She was the costume designer for The House Bunny, Enchanted, Never Been Kissed. Camp Rock 2, The Wizards of Waverly Place movie, Cheetah Girls One World, Stuck in the Suburbs, <laughs> Xenon Z3, and most importantly, Clueless, the mm-hmm. 1995 classic in which the costumes are 50% of the movie's goodness. Yeah. So, shout out to Mona. So, okay, the plot synopsis. Audrey, would you like to read these? Yes. So,
1: a young maiden in a land called Andalasia, who is prepared to be wed, is sent away to New York City by an evil queen, where she falls in love with a lawyer.
0: That's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good, but that was the IMDb plot synopsis. So I was like, All right, we're just gonna leave that there. It's not. She's
1: not just an evil queen. She is the mother of the prince.
0: it is true. Audrey, would you like to read us these taglines? Yes.
1: So the first one is, the real world and the animated world collide. That doesn't sound real. I'm pretty sure that's not the tagline. (laughs) Do you think that is (laughs) the tagline? don't think so? I mean, it's on IMDb. I don't know. It's too, like, clunky. Like, it doesn't sound like a tagline. But maybe... I agree. And then the second one is this fairy tale princess is about to meet a real Prince Charming. That one I believe
0: more. <laughs> yes, I agree. And I just wanted to say that this movie came out in 2007 and signified to me what is the beginning of a kind of really irritating era, which is Disney making fairy tale movies. And being determined to make them self-aware. So instead of just calling them what they are, they call them an adjective mm-hmm. that is related. So like, tangled. Uh, this is enchanted. You got tangled instead of Rapunzel. Why are you stealing? You're stealing my... my. Sorry. <laughs> you're stealing it. <laughs> it's okay. Brave is also one. Up is also one. It, I don't know why this is such a thing. I mean, up is like not, up is kind of different, but especially with the fantasy ones, it's just like, can you just call it what it is? Like, I'm exhausted. So, anyway, there's that. Now, I'm sorry I yelled at you for stealing my thunder. <laughs> it's okay. I hope you can forgive me. (laughs) Okay. So here comes the cast. So first of all, we have Amy Adams as Giselle. And she is known for being in all of these movies. And it's really funny because I didn't realize that she had such a central role in so many like important movies of our lifetime. But like starting with this movie, like kids movies and going into adult ones. So this is my list. Arrival, American Hustle, The Fighter, Hillbilly Elegy, Dear Evan Hansen, apparently, Her, Julie and Julia, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, as Amelia Earhart, who could forget, and she's apparently in Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, which, you know, why we're interested in that. Next up, we have Susan Sarandon as Queen Nerissa. This was in billing order, which I find funny. Uh, Susan Sarandon as Queen Nerissa, and she is known most, uh, at least in my heart, mostly for Thelma and Louise and the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but she also was in The Witches of Eastwick and The Lovely Bones and in a bunch of TV, and she's an icon at this point. So that's Susan Sarandon. Then we have James Marston as Prince Edward, and... He is truly a part of this really specific echelon of white men with brown hair, plus Victor Garber, that Audrey and I can get behind. And uh, James Marston was also in Hairspray the same year as Enchanted, which, like, the contributions to culture made in that year will never be forgotten. He was in X-Men, 27 Dresses, and then Dead to Me, 30 Rock, and Ally McBeal. But Audrey, can you just explain a little bit about... What, like what this type of man is and who else falls into this category.
1: I mean, I feel like if you're listening to this, you probably kind of know what I'm talking about because um, we've talked about them a lot in the past, but it's just <laughs> James Marsden, Chris Pine. Wait, who's the other one? Oh, Patrick Wilson. My husband. Patrick Wilson. Yes. And Victor Garber. He's the, he's the one who doesn't really <laughs> fit in, but... I bet he can sing, you know, maybe he, he can we've sing. We've heard him sing. Oh, duh, of course he can sing, yeah. Hello? He's an Annie. <laughs> he's literal Daddy Warbucks, yeah. like, hello. Yeah, he's amazing. So it's like, what it is, is men who choose roles in film and television that are secondary to the female counterpart, or like, it's like their story is simply not the main story. Like, it's just not. And yes, they, yes. as people, repeatedly choose those types of roles. Like, let me support this other story. And let me yes. also sing and look perfect while I do it.
0: That's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, to me, the one that is most predominant in my heart is Patrick Wilson. Like, I don't give a shit about like hot celebrity men, but he's like the hottest. Man
1: yeah, like I don't send Hannah like thirst. Tra- <laughs> no, obviously, I don't send Hannah thirst drafts, but of other people, <laughs> like we're not really in that. We don't really have that dynamic of like let me send. Like hot celebrity <laughs> pictures to each other or whatever, but if it's Patrick yeah. Wilson,
0: I will do it, <laughs> and I appreciate it. Honestly, it's so thrilling to me. So, okay, just a little moment about that genre of man, and then next up we have Patrick Dempsey, fucking Robert, which I found out his name is Robert Philip, which is just the beginning of the stupid Easter eggs in this movie. Yeah, he's a Prince in Sleeping Beauty is Prince Philip, and I'm like, oh, get it away. But anyway. He is uh, known for Grey's Anatomy, which I've never seen and never will. Don't at me. He was also in, or he's known for being in this movie, Can't Buy Me Love, and Transformers. And despite physically aligning with the types of men that we like, he is distinctly not a part of that echelon of men. And I don't really know why. I think it's just because I only know him from this movie, and he's an asshole in this movie. Yeah. Uh, You have any takes on that, Audrey? Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't
1: proved himself to be a part of it. So we have no reason to think he is a part of it.
0: (laughs) No, no. These next two are big ones. So next we have Timothy Spall as Nathaniel, which I forgot he was in this movie. (laughs) But he is Peter Pettigrew in the Harry Potter series. The rat guy. He's like the quintessential, like... Like character King's, actor, King, manservant, character actor, yeah. super English. But he's also known for Secrets and Lies, Mr. Turner, Vanilla Sky, and of course, Sweeney Todd. Because the Harry Potter to Sweeney Todd pipeline, it's like the evil people in Harry Potter to Sweeney Todd pipeline is basically direct. Yeah, it's direct. Because um, there's Alan Rickman and Helena Bonham Carter. Mm-hmm. We should be grateful Johnny Depp wasn't in Harry Potter. Well, he
1: is now he's in the fancy well i know he's in
0: stuff yeah but at least that's not harry potter yeah we should be no. grateful he kind of takes me out of it like yes he's like a little bit distracting yeah Ugh, okay and then next up we have idina menzel as nancy tremaine which i also hate because that's also an easter egg do you know that audrey mm-hmm. lady tremaine Yeah, for those unaware, the evil stepmother in Cinderella's last name is Tremaine. And when I saw that, I was like, I hate this. (laughs) It's kind of like in late Drag Race, where it's so self-referential that you don't understand what you're watching if you haven't seen everything. It reminds me of that, which I hate. So, uh, but of course, Idina Menzel is a musical theater legend known for playing Maureen and Rent and originating that role, and also originating Elphaba in Wicked. And of course... As we all know, she would go on to be Elsa in Frozen and be humiliated on live TV hundreds <laughs> of times trying to sing Let It Go. Oh. Um, and I feel for People her. People might come for you for that. For that. <laughs> no, okay, okay, okay. Please don't come for me. She's extremely talented. <laughs> Let It Go is not a song that was written to be sung live yeah. constantly. It's like it's like acrobatic. It's like harder than Defying Gravity. Like it's not... Yeah sustainable. I don't you know.
1: So, I don't even feel not trying to shit on her. No, of
0: course not.
1: I don't even yeah. feel that she was the right person to voice Elsa. I think it's a little bit distracting. Yeah, because it's, it's very like That's not what you want in an animated film. Like, I remember when I went to see it in theaters, like, her voice hit my ears and I was immediately imagining the, like, music video version of her recording the song instead of let me watch this character. So, like, that, it was too too much.
0: Yes, but anyway, she also was in Uncut Gems, which I found funny, and she played Rachel Berry's mom in Glee, her biological mother. She's so perfect for Uncut
1: Gems, I don't. I didn't love the movie overall, but she was a genius casting decision.
0: What character does she play? She, does she plays play like a um, theater person.
1: No, she's like a Jersey mom. Like, oh yeah, nice. and she's okay, like pissed off the whole time because Adam Sandler is a really shitty husband. <laughs> and so,
0: oh yeah. Okay, got it. That sounds actually really promising. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then just two more little things. There's Rachel Covey, who played Morgan, the little girl, and she has not been in anything since and seems to just have assimilated into regular life. So good for her. And then last but not least, we have Julie Andrews making a cameo as the narrator in the opening, which had to mention it's that. It's
1: manipulative <laughs> to put her voice at the
0: beginning and then the end. It's manipulative. <laughs> Audrey needs more. Let's get into these numbers. Audrey, would you like to read us some stuff about this budget? Yes. So the budget was a mere
1: $85 million. Yes. And they really had James Marsden go on top of a bus in Times Square. You can tell that a lot of it is genuinely on location, which is an expensive yes. thing to do. Um, but if they can do it because they're Disney. And they mostly shot... I'm guessing interiors were at Steiner Studios in Brooklyn. I know exactly where that is.
0: Yeah. I did a lot of research for this one because something about this movie I just find really, like, interesting just conceptually. But, yeah, every on-location shot or, like, everything that looks like it's on location was on location. Like, there's all these clips on YouTube of, like, someone with, like, a like a cheap camera, like, filming them filming the scenes, and it's super interesting to watch, and uh, just, like, the amount of money mm-hmm. is kind of hard to comprehend. All right. So, how was box office opening?
1: <laughs> so... Box office opening weekend they made 34,440,317 and the overall worldwide gross is 340,487,652. I feel like that opening weekend is not great. It's okay. Yes. But it's not yeah. amazing. I kind of felt the same way. Yeah. Like the fact that they they came up at less than half of their budget. Obviously, they know they're going to make it back, so it's
0: fine, but like yeah. that is lower than I would expect, maybe. Yes. So, with that in mind, this is even a little bit more confusing considering how the opening weekend went. But the critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes is 93% for this movie, mm. which I find to be so baffling.
1: Yeah, that's generous.
0: It feels like Disney like paid off the the critics yeah. to like say it was good. Like ha- like I feel like Juno's like the same percentage as yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Not that there's any any
0: reason ever to equate the those two movies. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm just saying like Juno won multiple academy awards and Enchanted is enchanted and the critic consensus was kind of the same percentage wise. So, anyway, the takeaway from the critics was a smart reimagining of fairy tale tropes that's sure to delight children and adults. Enchanted features witty dialogue, sharp animation, and a star turn by Amy Adams. And
1: that's true. Um I'll give it yeah. That last part. I
0: don't know. Witty dialogue. No, no, that Amy I don't Adams know, part. Yeah. And then the audience score was 80%. There was one review. So most people are like, great fairy tale reimagining, so much fun. Amy Adams is great. But there was one review that I found that really spoke to how I felt watching it, which was, and I'm totally giving away that I watched this in advance. Sorry, people. But uh, this person said, it's mildly painful to watch. It both makes fun of and doubles down on all of the princess story tropes. I laughed a few times. It's saccharine, cliche, and bonkers. And I felt like that was very accurate. And Roger Ebert was unimpressed, therefore, same. Nice.
1: (laughs) Yes. If you listened to last week's episode about Juno, then you already know what was going on in 2007, roughly when this came out. That is the year of the Vanessa Hudgens nude scandal, Britney Spears shaving her head, Jamie Lynn Spears getting pregnant, and Zoe 101 ending. Um Justin Timberlake and Cameron Diaz broke up.
0: Yeah, that that's the the general, oh, Lindsay Lohan, all yeah. that yeah. And we were saying that it's the the maybe the most hellish tabloid moment because the internet and social media was starting to become problematic. And the tabloids were still problematic. So it was just, like, doubly hairy to be a woman in the media at the time, so that was two thousand and seven. But things we remember from childhood slash associations with this movie, Audrey, would you like to go first? I know we
1: saw it in theaters as a family. And yes. that there are very, 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 very few movies that the four of us have seen in a theater at
0: once. Yes. Like Do you remember when we saw Bombshell? Yeah, that was so <laughs> random.
1: <laughs> that was Bombshell so random. was bad. Um, it was bad. But yeah, but I, I almost have like a snapshot memory of it. Like, I, I remember mm. it very clearly, and I was having a grand time, I think. Yeah. And, oh, and what I also remember about this movie, or what reminds me of this movie, is that you and I sang it in that one <laughs> choir group <laughs>
0: yeah that was so good that that situation was it was like okay you know how like every well at least at our school and i think this is kind of true across the board like the spring concert you get to do like fun yeah. music and there was like a girls ensemble group that would meet after school <laughs> and like Basically, like, if you could sing at all, you could be in this group. And Audrey and I decided to join the group (laughs) just for the last concert of the year. And we, like, learned the entire show and choreography, like, I think, like, the week before the performance. (laughs) And it was kind of because, like, we were never in show choir together. So we wanted to, like, do a performance together. Yeah. Because, like, why not? And again, like, I was super into princessy things. So... We were like, let's just do this. So we did I it. know there are pictures of that that exist. So there are. They're like blurry. Yeah. It's like it's like digital camera blurry pictures yeah. of us doing it. I bet we could dig that up. Yeah, I, I know. I am pretty sure I could. <laughs> yeah. I put all of my photo library on my external drive in 2018. I haven't been able to open it since then. So I have a lot of shit That's uh, waiting for me there someday. I know. Okay, this movie for me. So I saw it in 2007, loved it. I'm sure I remember seeing it with my family. That like that we saw it, but this movie had like a weird renaissance in my life in like 2010, 2011. And this was kind of because I was, like, really into princesses as a little kid and then went through an emo phase and didn't really let go of it fully until, like, 10th grade or so. And then I had this whole renaissance of, like, just being super into princess stuff again. Like, I would, like, wear, like, you know, like at Claire's, (laughs) there's, like, the fake flowers on the clips. Like, I would wear, like, flowers in my hair, like, all the time. And I didn't have, like... Good hair. I had, like, a Haley Williams, like, shag, like, grown-out shag, but, like, you know, like, you get a haircut like Haley Williams, and you're like, I'm gonna look like Haley Williams, but then you just look like yourself, but with a fucking bad haircut? <laughs> like, that was me. <sighs> so, I would wear, like, dressy dresses all the time, like, kind of like what I'm wearing, like, less sparkly, obviously, but, like... I had a princess lunchbox that I carried until, like, 11th grade. And the weirdest part of the whole thing, though, was the reason why this movie in particular came back was because I'm not going to name the person, obviously. But there i had very few straight male friends in high school, but there was one who was, like— he like somehow had co-opted the identities of like Chris Pine and James Marston and was like, I'm like that person, like I'm like him. And so he would always like quote lines from this movie and like in like invoke me to like do the Giselle parts. So like I did. What? And it was, like, really weird. It was, like, this weird, like, half-joking, like, hetero fantasy thing. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. What do you even mean
1: by this?
0: (laughs) Like, how do I explain it? Like, what social situation
1: would you be in?
0: I mean, we were theater kids, so, like, cringe could happen at any moment. Like, at a rehearsal, like, in the hallway. But the worst thing that happened was... It was weird. It was weird. There was worse things that happened, but I shouldn't say them because I'm not trying to <laughs> be super messy two episodes in a row. Let it be known, there's weird emerging adolescence associations with this movie in my life. Yeah, that's the end of my spiel. So anyway, interestingly, this movie is not available on Disney Plus. So you have to kind of hunt it down. Are you sure about that? Yes, I am sure. Okay. I looked it up. It's not there, and I Googled it, and no one knows why it's not there. I cannot comprehend why it's not there. But we rented it on YouTube, right?
1: Yeah. You can rent it in any of the places.
0: Yeah. But if you're looking for a streaming option, good luck, sis. (laughs) Okay. So I know I've already given away a lot of my opinions, but I am honestly begging you to go watch this movie because it is really entertaining regardless. And I have a lot to say. And... I'm excited to share it with you. So please go enjoy and meet us back here momentarily.
2: Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential.
0: Okay, we are back with much to say regarding 2007's Enchanted. So, we like to start with good things on Sleepover Cinema. Audrey, what did you have written under good?
1: Uh, first, I would like to address, yes, I changed my hair and my earrings. In case you think you're going crazy, you're not. <laughs> I did. Um, that's for the video viewers. <laughs> okay, That's for
0: the people watching at
1: home. So... What do I appreciate? Obviously, the Julie Andrews voiceover, it brings me right, it brings you right to the place you need to be mentally. Like, it's like, it's like a cheat code. Like, that's not even fair. Yes. Yes. Um, cartoon James Marsden also fits in the category. <laughs> it's not just real life, but also cartoon.
0: It's transferable to any state of existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... um Can I just interject for one second and Mm -hmm. say I also wrote that the opening was amazing, and I also wrote James Marston LOL as a thing. And we can't forget that the harmonies in True Love's Kiss went incredibly hard.
1: Yeah. I kind of forget them, but...
0: It's like, the best part is when, it's the James Marston part, he's like... Since we first knew love or something. Yeah. Ink in out of context, that sounds like absolute shit, but in (laughs) context, it's good. Go back and listen to it and you'll know what I'm saying. Anyway, please proceed.
1: Anyway, the perhaps pinnacle most annoying I can appreciate it, but it's also very annoying in what you were talking about with like all the references. The Jody Benson. Bitch, I wrote that down to you. (laughs) Cameo. Like, it's both. It's somehow great and annoying. Um, Yes. But Jodie Benson, if you don't know, was the voice of the Little Mermaid, um, of the the voice of Ariel in The Little Mermaid. And um, they stick her in this movie as the, like, receptionist-type person in Patrick Dempsey's law office. And... They've got the aquarium over there. And also the fact that like Giselle has red hair, it's kind of also like another reference in a way. Um, Yeah. But yeah, they just, and they've got a whole new, not a whole new world. That's lot. It's a part of your world. They've got part of your world world playing in the office as well. Like as like diegetic
0: music. Ambient (laughs) music. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's a lot. It is a lot.
1: I liked that they actually were in Katz's Delicatessen. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Yes. yes. Um, which is the restaurant that the prince goes to at one point when the, the like rat thing. <laughs> what is it? Chipmunk? Yeah. Chipmunk. <laughs> when the chipmunk is
0: trying to tell him what's going on. Which, first of all, the chipmunk does everywhere the chipmunk goes, but it's yeah. the first time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't like, I get that they needed to have the sidekick
0: animal and stuff, but like. Okay, I also have to interject and say kids. really fast. Okay, this is what I was going to say. Everyone's going to come for us because we're shitting on this movie it's so hard. It's for the kids. It's for kids. We are not doing a good faith interpretation. We are just being grumpy but, because that's what we do. And you'll have to just cope. I'm yeah, sorry.
1: We're feeling especially sensitive after being massively attacked <laughs> on TikTok in the past 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I just... I post, like, usually three TikToks that have to do with the episode. So, like, I'll do, like, a section from the episode. Like, I can talk to you guys about this because you understand who we are and what we do. But you throw this on TikTok and you will get, if if it just so happens to be picked up on the through the algorithm and snowball... It's like, you could say anything. You could say absolutely anything. And then like 24 hours later, once it's like snowballed, you've got people fighting in the comments about like
0: politics. Like, <laughs> yeah. Audrey posted a video of us being like, you can see the body doubles in The Parent Trap. There was no opinion. It was just a fact. I mean, I said, I said it
1: was, just- was bad. I think I said it was bad. I mean, but like, I'm not, I'm not, Seriously, attacking the quality of the film. Everyone was like, you guys are too
0: much. This is so fine. They'll, they're like, like,
1: yeah. They're like, you two clearly have too much time on your hands. Like, you two, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, y- you're
0: the one commenting on my video, not the other way around. Right. It's also like, OK, you're commenting on the video, a.k.a. you're giving us what we want. You came, so Jokes on you. You came to our yard. OK, you're you're on our yeah. front porch. So yeah. like it or go. <laughs> <laughs> get out. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? So many people have found us through TikTok, though. So if you're one of those people, thank God you're not a weirdo. And welcome. It's just like, can we not just have a little fun
1: discourse for just for fun? Like, literally, it's not that serious. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else under good? Yeah. The curtain dresses. The dresses (laughs) that she makes out of curtains are so nice and beautiful. I just think they did a really, really good job making those dresses. Like, I I just love them.
0: There's also... I'm sure you thought of this, but there's a strong Sound of Music reference there. Yeah, there is. And there's also a Sound of Music reference in um, That's How You Know with that shot over the hill and Mm -hmm. she runs up and then she spins around. I'm like, this isn't even Disney. Why are you referencing this? But I guess Julie Andrews is in it. so like,
1: Yeah, I noticed that too.
0: Yeah. This movie relies so heavily on its Easter eggs and references.
1: (laughs) You know, why was I writing all this? stuff and appreciate what I didn't even appreciate it the the <laughs> aggressive use of ever
0: ever after <laughs> I wrote that down too I was like, like oh not the original song by Carrie Underwood I was like, like, like oh.
1: why why are they using the entire song
0: <laughs> and they even got her to write in references to the music in Enchanted into the song yeah. which like I guess that's like good for a soundtrack right yeah. like at least it's cohesive But that was notable to me. Can I start saying some things for my list? Okay. So my good things, you mentioned all of them. Except I had to say that that's what you know, unfortunately, is extremely catchy. That's how you know. And also, that's what I said. He said that's what I know. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i know um all okay, right that's what you know that's how you know yeah that's how you know um is really good and i wrote down that irl susan sarandon is extremely beautiful yes she is but it's now a good time to circle back to is the music good yeah i have an opening statement okay which is <laughs> i feel like the music is really good Especially, I think True Love's Kiss is cool because it's, like, intentionally, like, written in a way that's supposed to be, like, old-timey. But I think that the music can only get so good because it is in, like, a headlock of irony. Yeah. And musicals, Disney musicals and irony don't really mix.
1: Yeah. They don't, and and it's the problem they keep ramming themselves into over and over and over and over again with like um like there's that scene in like Wreck It Rolf or whatever where they've got the Wreck-It animated Ralph. <laughs> Yeah Wreck It Ralph? Ralph How do you say it?
0: I well, said it and it sounded like it was Wreck It Rolf <laughs> like <laughs> of the sound of music.
1: That's a... Wreck It Rolf. Oh, my God. I should edit, like, a cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that needs to happen. The sound of music is just way too much on the brain. Like It is. Uh, so, though, like, I don't say it any other way. It's
0: only Rolf to me. <laughs> it's not Ralph. <laughs> That's also the perfect example of you pronouncing it slightly <laughs> off and then me giving you shit about it. Wreck-It-Roll. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like skull and skull Wait, again.
1: oh, because isn't it, it spelled differently for the sound of music? Is it R-O-L-F
0: or something? It's R-O-L-P-H, I think. Yeah, it's like a different spelling.
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Look for a Wreck-It-Roll meme coming your way. <laughs>
1: Um, oh yeah, but yeah, there's, they just keep, they keep, you, you can't have both. Like you can't have both. You can't, you know, it makes fun of and doubles down on all the princess story tropes. It's like, you can't have it both ways. As a corporation, Disney had to make a decision and they refused to make they refused to make the decision. I think nowadays it is getting better because they're you're not seeing like all the princesses together in any way. I mean, maybe you do. I didn't see the latest. No, princess merchandise still is like a thing. Yeah, not the merchandise, yeah, it's totally a thing, but as far as the movies go, it's like you've got your frozen, you've got your um just like straight up princess musical movies, but they also have all this other stuff going on. Like, I don't know. I I think it was very much a phase that they had to get through.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like it's really interesting because, so actually I had an example written down of like a really good moment where the Disney refusal to actually fully make fun of itself comes into play, which first of all, they shouldn't have to make fun of themselves. It's their thing no. to do what they do. Like, it's like what you do. It's very
1: reactionary. Like it's like they it's, they they like couldn't yeah. handle like the way that I can't handle being attacked about the parent trap TikTok. They <laughs> yeah. can't handle being attacked about feminism and girl yes. boss
0: blah blah blah. <laughs> so. An example I had that was, like, a really good illustration of why it's so weird is the scene where they're in the Italian restaurant, and it's Giselle, and it's the guy, and he's like, you know, I'm raising my daughter to not believe in fairy tales because, you know, that's not how life is, and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And Giselle's like, well, dreams can come true, and this, and, like the, like, the movie clearly wants you to be like, Giselle is right, dreams can come true, even though at the same time they're trying to be, like – Dreams can't come true. She's the smart one. Giselle is stupid. The whole movie is like making fun of Giselle, honestly. And until the
1: end, until like the last. Yeah.
0: Until she like becomes normal.
1: Yeah. Which. It's such a mess. Wait. It's such a mess. Wait. When the, the fact that the turning point for her character is what it is like, she gets mad. She gets angry, okay? Or whatever. And she's never felt yes. anger like this or something. But I'm like, Disney Prince, I mean, I guess they don't really get angry. They get they sad. Get, like, but, yeah.
0: Which, me. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no, same.
1: <laughs> but um, she gets mad and then he's like, what's going on? And then she like is Suddenly turned, like
0: turned on by him. She's like, "Oh, oh, that whole scene is so bananas." I totally agree. She's like, "It's so out of nowhere." She's like, "Oh my god, I felt a feeling," and then it's like really sexy for like three seconds. I was like, like, "I was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa, back
1: up, back up, what's going
0: on?" She like touches his
1: chest, and then they almost kiss, and then he, and then he's like. Good night. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> I was
0: like, it makes
1: no and sense. And now, makes no sense. from that point on, Giselle's no longer the butt of the joke because she, like,
0: I, I, I don't yeah. get it. This movie, okay, we are, like, quickly sliding into the bad things. Yeah. And I do want to go back to I some had of the to. other things I had written down. But I just have to say that... This movie reminds me of... Life-size? Life-size yeah. in a lot of ways. But the main reason why it reminds me of Life-size is because it is a movie that is marketed to be about Giselle and a, and four children and, like, about kids, sort mm-hmm. of. But, like, she's not actually... She's the main character, but nothing actually hinges upon anything she does. Yeah. It's ac- the main character is actually the dad. Yeah, the dad. And the whole time they treat her like a total idiot and then once he decides that she's like hot I, then it's like okay yeah. like i'm like what is going on and the the whole thing it's like they only ever even let her in or let her stay because she was pretty which is a reference to snow white essentially mm-hmm. but like it was it wrong just then and it's wrong it's so weird yeah it's like okay if that was Not like a skinny, beautiful white girl. This would not happen. (laughs) This wouldn't happen, and that—that's also a thing I said that will piss people off. They'll be like, everyone makes it about like it's like about race. Like it's so much deeper. It's like, okay, fuck you. Because guess what?
1: I have... Guess uh, what? This wasn't made by some indie filmmaker with a dream, okay? It was made (laughs) by a corporation that whether they want to or not, whether they try to or not, they are feeding and programming young minds, okay? Yes.
0: And speaking of that, and now I'm veering into the problematic things for a second, there are three... Black characters that speak the entire time, and it's the angry bus driver, and then it's the angry the couple. couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, 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 and let's not even forget that Giselle immediately walks up to the black woman and touches her hair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is like, so offensive. I this, was like, is this real? Like, how is this real? Like, I know that it's supposed to be just like her having no sense of like yeah. social propriety, but it's like, okay, but clearly Disney knew what they were doing when they chose for that role to be played by yeah. a black woman. And, like,
1: And had that role been played by a white woman, she wouldn't have done that. Right. Like, she wouldn't have gone up to her and been, like, your hair or whatever. Like, I just
0: don't. It was so weird. That was was so weird. Not good. Oh, gosh. And I think also, so sort of going back to what we were saying about, like, Disney not being able to handle, like, criticism from a feminist perspective. Like, 2007 was a little bit early for, like, the anti-princess feminism thing. But, like, I know that when I was in high school during my princess phase— Part two, (laughs) I read this book called Cinderella Ate My Daughter and I wrote this whole paper about like the influence of Disney princess culture on kids and like on culture at large. And um, it was like really a thing for a minute where everyone was like Disney princesses are poisoning the minds of children. But it's sort of like a reach. But Disney like didn't even care that it was a reach. I think if anything, it's like, okay, they're all white except for a few exceptions – and that's, like, a whole other conversation. And they're, like,
1: extremely... I, I was thinking of Pocahontas. It's, like, so whitewashed. It's not even, like...
0: Yeah, it's, like, not even real. A thing. Yeah. I have a statement. <laughs> okay.
1: So, Giselle makes a joke. Once she comes out of the sewer thing, there is a little person that gets caught <laughs> under her skirt or whatever. Yes. Which is also bad. Not good. But she says, Grumpy, is that you? So, (laughs) let me get this straight. Disney exists in the Enchanted Universe. (laughs) Good point. How does that make sense? Grumpy, yeah, it's not like she didn't say, she didn't reference some really old folk tale, you know, like where it's like hearkening pre-Disney. No, she said Grumpy. That is Disney's Snow White. Yes. So that's
0: <laughs> really mind Well, I guess they're trying to imply that, that she knows, she knows all of the Disney pr- people. Yes. But then why doesn't she mention it more?
1: Yeah, like I mean, that is what they're saying is that she like knows them, but then whenever she references like the fairy tale characters she knows, she never says them by name like that. Like right. she says like the evil blank, or like this type of this archetype, this like fairy tale yeah. type, but
0: she says yeah. grumpy. <laughs> like, That's really funny. That's a really good point. Yeah, it was really okay. This is really jumping all over the place, but okay, I have so much. Can we just talk about the ballroom thing, the the ball scene? Yeah, in general. Okay, so first of all. How do they find out about this thing?
1: I know They how. never they, mention? No, they, no, they, the way they shoehorned it in was really lazy. They are, okay, well, it what is, is it? during, uh, it's during, that's how you know. Mm-hmm. They're singing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's so in passing. It's like maybe two seconds. They basically walk past a table that has... Uh, two guys selling tickets for it. <laughs> and there's a, you see the sign and they leave it up just long enough for you to like mentally take note of it.
0: Yeah, but yeah. But you yeah. don't
1: even see them buy the tickets. And then he, um, <laughs> not that I need to see that.
0: You got to see the receipts. But like
1: persons. he, yeah, they run right past it. Like, I don't know. She yeah. She's like, ooh, a ball or whatever. And then they like walk away. But then he like buys tickets and sends them via pigeon to Nancy. And um, do you not remember that?
0: <laughs> no, I remember. I remember that. But I missed. I didn't. I missed the table. I was probably writing something down at that yeah, point.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, when did he purchase these? When did they decide they were gonna go? Like, I, I guess it's yes. just her. It's just Giselle being like, do something
0: whimsical. Yeah, you know, and that kind of brings it back to the ball thing. I hate how much Nancy is antagonized for wanting anything fun, anything romantic, anything unironic. It's so sad. How is she antagonized for literally being, like, a fun-loving, nice person? I don't know, but they do. They They do it, though. They They do
1: it. And Adina Menzel kind of has that quality on screen. Like, I don't even know that it's really written like if it wasn't her if it was a different actress I don't know that she would be so antagonized but like there's just something about her on screen and this carries over to every movie she's in like in Rent and in um like Uncut Gems or whatever like she just has that quality and in Glee of like Be a little scared.
0: (laughs) Like, be a little scared of her. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think it's because her face is so angular.
1: Yeah. But like, and she just kind of plays it that way. Like, that it's just the quality that she brings. I like it though. I think it's different. Yeah. Like,
0: but it's very specific. um, I will say that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, she, because of that, she is antagonized. It's like, oh, you're a bad, you're a bad person because you want to like have fun and like feel loved or whatever.
0: (laughs) Literally, she's like, what if you don't cheat on me and take me places yeah, and he's like, oh, I hate it. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, what a bitch. <laughs> she's like, awful. <laughs> I love that. Like, he does not.
1: I love that James and Adina end up together.
0: Like, it's, like, I know. perfect. It's cute. I know. It's so good. Wait, okay, but we're skipping over a few things that I need to talk about, which is... I Okay, we, I, we don't even really need to unpack this, but it's just all too convenient that, like, the most romantic waltz is the one where they're like, All right, people, now you got to dance with someone who you didn't bring as your date. Like, yeah. I was just like, okay, sure. <laughs> so that was annoying. But the main thing that I found super annoying was, like... I feel like when they were writing this script, they were like, okay, the queen's got to show up and turn into a dragon, and it's got to be a whole thing. But, like, the reasoning behind why she does it makes absolutely no no sense. sense. because sense. Her motivations. Yeah, if the point in the beginning was we have to get rid of Giselle because she's going to marry Edward... And take over the throne. It's like, okay, but you just saw her be in love with a guy who doesn't live in Andalasia. So why wouldn't you just encourage her <laughs> yeah. to go steal that man and be with him and then not come back? And it's like, okay, is it just because she's evil and, like, wants to kill people? Like, I guess
1: <laughs> so. You didn't even but, have like, to show up and turn into
0: a dragon, but you did. No, You could have. <laughs> well, what should, what should have happened if she could have her Nancy?
1: She could have stayed at home. She could have done all of this conniving from her own, the comfort of her own room. And she decided. Well, she
0: tried. She tried. And then she couldn't because her incel was angry. Yeah. (laughs) Peter Pettigrew is an incel in this movie. Yeah. I don't
1: even want to get into the whole thing of him having
0: a crush. It's stupid. It's just stupid. No, we don't need to do it. We don't need to do it. But I will say that I... Hated at the end when they were all, for some reason, they had to have a golden bow for every single character, including the fucking animated chipmunk having a book (laughs) deal. Yeah, I was like like, wait we have not one hit book but two hit books (laughs) in two different dimensions why do we need that like we don't need that and it was
1: called like silence is not golden or something because like he couldn't talk in the real world I'm like wait but your your cartoon character friends wouldn't even get that
0: they haven't been it's there. It's just, like, so annoying. It's so annoying. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, I'm seeing if there's anything else here that I absolutely must talk about. <laughs> okay, I have these last these last things written under bad. Dropping the one shoe and grabbing the sword. Dot, dot, dot. Why? That's also a really good example of Disney being like, look, it's a classic fairy tale, but also she's a girl boss at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, God, like, I'm tired. And then also... I wrote, bro, she didn't even kill anyone or even get close, which is the dragon. Yeah. And also, why did she burst into flames when she (laughs) fell off the building?
1: It's something that would happen. It's like a reference. It's just a
0: reference. Just like, oh my gosh. This This movie is literally, like, if
1: you showed an alien this movie... (laughs) <laughs> it would be the most confusing thing ever. It's operating. It be... It's operating on so many pre-existing systems and references, and like, un- and even like, not even an alien, but like, imagine showing somebody who lives in like a really remote place
0: or in another country. Like, yeah, it would be like what? Is- <laughs> You'd be like, I don't understand. Like, why this guy is such an asshole to her? Like, yeah. what? Like, what's happening? Yeah. I totally agree. Oh, and then I had one more thing about that scene, which was Giselle choosing to take a bite out of the apple after the queen's like, you could delete all your memories of this and it could be gone forever. And her choosing to do it was like really dark. That's I was like, dark. damn, okay. Like that's dark. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you'd get over it like so fast.
0: Yeah, you like, do get over it so fast because they don't give you even, like, a second to the, process it.
1: The last, like, 30 minutes of the movie are such a blur, and they're not, they're, like, they're going at lightning yes.
0: speed. Like,
1: <laughs> it's just a lot going on.
0: Yes. Totally. The, the This is so random, but the daughter's voice is really cute. I agree. And speaking of the daughter, um, I texted Audrey about this when I was watching, but how comfortable the dad is manhandling the shit out of her and also out of Giselle is yeah. like really off-putting. Like there's multiple scenes where uh Robert is like is like g- fucking like clutching Giselle's wrist and like dr- like like dragging her places yeah. phantom of the opera style if you will <laughs> multiple times. And
1: I was just like this guy sucks. Yeah, like we're supposed to look at him and be like what a good person that he literally is willing to like be a father. Like that's it. Like yeah. you're, you were supposed yeah. to like romanticize him because he's a single dad.
0: It doesn't work. I don't care. It doesn't work. And when is they get together, bitch, in I'll the end, kill I'm like, you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> When they get together in the end, I'm like, this is the least satisfying, like, romantic conclusion in cinematic history. And it kind of reminds me, actually, not to bring up the sound of music again, but (laughs) it kind of reminds me of, like, if the captain and Julie Andrews got together without him having a change of heart and becoming not grumpy... It reminded me of that. I was like, wait, so the fact that he, like, kind of wins, Mm -hmm. like, his philosophy kind of wins is, like,
1: I mean, in in theory, they meet halfway. But, like... But they don't. They don't really. I mean, she's living in his world. She's going to live with him. She's going to, like, be a... I don't know.
0: Like, she's just going to end up being a wife and a mother. (laughs) Just saying.
1: Like, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: if that's what Giselle wants to do. Yeah. We don't know what Giselle wants to do. We don't know what Giselle wants to do. (laughs) No, we don't know what she wants. We don't know what she actually cares about. She's basically... She's a puppy dog. It's like watching Elf. It's like the same shit as Elf. Like, you know, like, it's not about... What the character actually wants. I mean, Elf is I mean, Elf slaps though. Elf, elf is slaps. a different class. <laughs> like yeah. Elf is amazing. Um, this is different, but it's actually like the same story as Elf, mm-hmm. pretty much. God, and Zoe D. Schnell, oh the collections, they
1: run deep. I should make a letterbox list that is life size, enchanted, and elf and be like Yes. movies where I don't also know. Also
0: Aquamarine. Oh yeah. There's kind of a lot of them. There is. I mean, it's literally like the fish out of water plot line. Yeah.
1: But it's fun. I never thought of them
0: together, like those four. Yeah. It struck me. And it's also kind of big, sort of. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. I think if you added the qualifier of set in New York City, then you would kick out Aquamarine and put in big. Yeah. But anyway, and then the very, very, very last thing I have to say, which is (laughs) very specific. Is when Giselle goes, when she's talking about a place to stay, and she goes, maybe a hollow tree. You wouldn't put emphasis on hollow. You would put it on tree. Maybe. Why did she say it like that? A hollow tree.
1: (laughs) That's how you say it. I don't know. It was a choice, but she can kind of say it anyway. Anyway, because she's whimsical.
0: so also <laughs> the song that they dance to at the ball gives me such deep 2007 like Jason Mraz esque yeah. ballad vibes like Michael Buble I'm like take me back to Marshalls not Marshalls like like a department Ruby store Tuesday. like J C <laughs> Yeah, Ruby Tuesday <laughs> like it just Kohl's. had such a specific vibe Coles take me back to the Abby Dawn section of Coles yeah. Um, okay, so we shat on this movie really hard, but at the end of the day, for me, I still find it to be extremely spectacular in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, the fact that it's all New York, the fact that the cast is so good, the story makes no sense, <laughs> and, like, it's, it's peak Disney caving in on itself, but at the same time, for some reason, critics loved it, for some reason, audiences love it, maybe I'm just a hater— but I do find this movie enjoyable. You know what? It's straight vibes.
1: It's like, turn your brain off. Yeah. Straight vibes. Literally, like, mainline it. Mainline it into my veins. I will take yes. it. I will eat it up. Um. But if you ask me to think about it a little bit more, I'm going to see. I'm going to see the issues.
0: Yes. Yes, so, and I think this is the perfect example of it too. It's like we force ourselves to think about the movies when we watch them. Yeah, and if you think about Enchanted, it takes like two seconds for it to fully unravel.
1: Yeah, like I and I just I think um, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to think about it for th- three more seconds, and now we've done it. And and now we probably <laughs> I'm still going to enjoy the movie, like. Yeah, nothing same. we said. We're too defensive
0: right now. I'm sensitive. <laughs> I know we are defensive right now. <laughs> I just know that people are gonna get mad. But you know what? Maybe not. I don't know. We've we've said some out of pocket shit on the show before <laughs> yeah, and never no, really we, had to face the music. We so. don't hear that much back. All in all, so <laughs> the most I've ever heard back about was when I said Brandy was a bad singer and Cinderella. That's one I will never live down. Yeah. Which let me clarify. Ooh, one more time. Time. I think she's a good singer she's I think an icon that stylistically it was a weird pairing with everyone else and that is it
1: still a great casting choice though that's it yes that's it
0: please please exonerate me <laughs> um, okay well I think I got it all out of my system I guess ooh, the deeper takeaway is the Disney commentary on itself is not interesting and continues to be a thing as Disney keeps buying out, like, every media venture that there is. It's becoming kind of even worse. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Stay tuned. See so, so how that goes. Um, And also, we should remind you, have you signed up for trivia yet? No. Think about it. <laughs> have you thought? Have you signed up? No. Okay. Well, now is your invitation once again On Friday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be hosting a virtual trivia evening. It's going to be us and Darren Christie of Under the Tree with DXC, our baby angel podcaster friend. And he's very good at writing trivia. Um, We did a trivia like round on his podcast a few months ago and it was really really fun and very hard Audrey yeah. and I played against each it other was fun. so please sign up
1: you can find that link
0: um in all of our social media bios yes and The winner gets a sleepover cinema goodie bag of which the contents are still yet to be determined. (laughs) You know that it's going to be good. Unknown goodies. Um, You can play as a team, you can play as an individual, uh, and you can talk to us directly, which will be very cool. So, with that being said, I still love a sparkly dress. The costumes in Enchanted are amazing. I didn't even say they're so good. And you know what this is? That you still. Everybody involved with this movie is is at the top of their game. They
1: should be yes. at the very top of their game. So, of course, like, we don't need to say all the million good things about it. Like, there's just so yes. many good things about it. Okay. Anyway.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. We're literally apologizing so much. Okay. All that being said, we hope you have a great week. And we will be back next Thursday with another episode. Indeed we will. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
1: You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com/sleepover-cinema, and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search Sleepover Cinema, or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Tuping Pictures, and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at Sleepover Cinema, and that's really
0: where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon.
2: Bye. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rock Star and Death of a Sports Star. This is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe.